right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie, figure out what other movies inspired it. And we're back after a special Breaking It Apart episode where we looked at an old movie and tried to figure out what movies it inspired. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back with another new movie. This time we're talking about the Marvel movie Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is a few weeks old, but it's still a new movie. It's still in theaters. You can still go check it out in theaters, and you should because it's a... Uh, really fun time at the movies. Um, But we'll get into that as we get into the episode. But before we get to the episode, uh, I just want to say a few things here at the top of the show. First of all, of course, is if you're not subscribed already to Piecing It Together, make sure you get subscribed. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on TuneIn Radio, on Stitcher, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead and subscribe. And you can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And you can also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together a movie discussion group where we have all kinds of fun conversations about movies. Uh, Lately, we've been kind of uh, making fun of the Oscars' whole decision to create a Best Popular Film Award, which uh, let's not get into that because that could be like a half-hour-long discussion of how freaking ridiculous that is. But go into the group and let's talk about it because, I mean... I can't think of a worse idea. Um, But also, speaking to that group, we are looking for a new name for the group because, you know, the show is piecing it together. I think the group could have its own name, you know, still tie it in with the podcast. So if you can think of a good name for the group, uh, let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear your uh, suggestions. Um, Aside from that... Uh, also, you're going to want to sign up for our mailing list over on our website, piecingpod.com, because we're about to start some really cool giveaways. Uh, the first one's going to be for a Piecing It Together t-shirt, but then we're also going to be doing a lot of other giveaways for movies, classic movie memorabilia, all kinds of cool stuff. So make sure you get signed up for that mailing list. And uh, I think with that, let's get on to today's episode, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, this is, of course, a Marvel movie starring Paul Rudd. It's a sequel, and uh, it comes after... After uh, Avengers Infinity War, which we did a big super episode on a few uh, months ago. Uh, But now we're back with a regular episode. And, you know, I'd like to think that those of you who are listening probably know what Ant-Man and the Wasp is. So I probably don't have to do like a whole synopsis of the whole thing. Um, But Paul Rudd is a superhero uh, with a big cast of fun other characters and... uh, it, it's it's a fun, crazy adventure film, really, when it gets down to it. And it was really fun talking to first-time co-host Hunter Ferris from the Song Appeal podcast uh, about Ant-Man and the Wasp and sharing the excitement that he has with the excitement I have because it is one of my favorite movies of the year. Let's listen to the conversation. All right. Well, welcome everybody back to the show. Uh, today, I am really excited. We got a new guest that we haven't had on the show before. Uh, right off the bat, let's say hi to him. Hi, Hunter. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, David? <laughs> I'm doing good. That's my uh, that's my cheesy radio introduction to my guest, my first timer guests. Um, but <laughs> Hunter Ferris, uh, he has a podcast called Song Appeal, which is a great podcast. I actually really enjoy listening to it, and uh, I, I'm glad that I'm getting you here on my show. I, I think uh, this is going to be a really fun time talking with you. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, man. So uh, we are. Going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, which uh, is a movie that's it's a few weeks old already, which usually we, we do movies that like just came out. But this was, I mean, not to spoil the end of the episode where we get to our overall reviews, but this was a movie I absolutely loved and I was really hoping to do an episode on it. So I was totally happy to circle back and uh, finally get around to it. So I'm glad that you were out there uh, wanting to talk about it. I'm super glad to get to be on the show with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, you know, many people called it kind of a palate cleanser after Avengers Infinity War, um, which I would say is probably accurate. But at the same time, it is its own thing and it's its own very fun thing. And it, it tells its own story, which is kind of a rare thing for these Marvel movies. It ties in certainly with the whole overall universe, but it's... Uh, 
It's definitely got its own story to tell, its own self-contained thing. I was frankly disappointed with how... I'm sorry. It feels like pretty much every discussion I see about Ant-Man and the Wasp isn't Mm -hmm. about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Pretty much every discussion I see is is about the context of Ant-Man and the Wasp, about where it fits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where it fits in our culture, where it fits in our movie-going experience. And I'm thinking, can we just talk about the movie? Yeah, can we just have a fun movie? Like <laughs> and like, we talk about Westworld, and it's like entirely discussions on whether Westworld is as good as Game of Thrones. And we go to see Incredibles two, and the whole thing is just, is this as good as Incredibles one? I'm thinking, can we please stop missing the forest for the trees for a minute and actually talk <laughs> about the movie we're watching and not the movie that came before it? I'm so happy you're saying that. I think this is going to be a great conversation. (laughs) So, uh, you know, without any further ado, we might as well just jump right into it. Um, What do you have for your first puzzle piece? So I chose the movies that gave the filmmakers the ideas behind how the story works instead of the movies that gave the filmmakers the ideas behind the tropes. Like there are a couple tiny little tropes that you see this and think, oh, that is so – there's – Okay, the first one of the first scenes of the movie is a cardboard box maze. There is an entire mm-hmm. movie of that scene. It's called Dave Made a Maze. I'm going to focus a little more on the narrative qualities of of the movie and what movies uh what movies Peyton Reed might have gone back and said, "Okay, how do you do this really well?" So mm-hmm. I apologize for being a little different from a normal guest. That's totally fine. Um and I'm going to take a guess that you're going to say this at some point. Mission Impossible. Okay. I Interesting. <laughs> I tweeted out <laughs> to the guys who make Honest Trailers and asked, can you please do an Honest Trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp where you title it Mission Impossible Ghost Particle? <laughs> nice. That's beautiful. <laughs> but it's not just because, like, the 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 – the whole thing seems impossible or like they're doing all this crazy stuff. It's because the action sequences are actually used to accomplish objectives. Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. There, there, there are actual, uh, there are actual plans. There are actual things that are happening. There's reasons for all the action. It's not just uh, insert action scene here. It's there. There's there's a, uh, a clearly defined. Uh, goal that everybody has and they're all trying to get to those goals yeah i mean the the kitchen fight early on in the movie hope doesn't actually want to be beating up a bunch of guys hope Uh wants the hope wants the the oh what was it called hope wants the mcguffin the guys have the mcguffin she beats them up until she has the mcguffin and walks out of there and even gives sunny the money Yeah, (laughs) because she just wants this to be a normal business transaction. And like there's a moment where you expect a fight scene. And instead, what happens is somebody knocks somebody out with like two punches. (laughs) All of the action set pieces are used specifically to accomplish an objective, not just for the sake of an action scene. And that's uh, that's one thing that I think the Mission Impossible franchise does really well. I would take a guess that Peyton Reed looked at Mission Impossible and said that we need to do that. That's great. I, you know, I didn't have Mission Impossible written down, but now that you're mentioning it, you know, 100%. And it's also cool because these are my two favorite blockbuster type movies of this year, uh, this and Mission Impossible Fallout. So, I mean, it totally makes sense that they're, they're cut from the same cloth of just nonstop fun and action, you know? <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, I, I think uh, Mission Impossible is absolutely a, a really great one. And the, the way that it constructs uh, action scenes, you know, of course, we're not getting Tom Cruise stunts here, but we are getting big, huge set pieces. We're getting exciting uh, chases and uh, just fun, just a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so my first puzzle piece uh is more more in line with the uh, the comedy of the whole overall thing, um, and that is actually Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, so I, I see this, I, saw, I see this movie as a guy basically sneaking out and getting into trouble um, in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, you know. Now, there's, of course, like we were just talking about in that Mission Impossible puzzle piece, there's, you know, obviously more clearly defined, uh, you know, what he's trying to do and, of course, higher stakes involved. Um, But it's still him getting into all kinds of adventures, Ant-Man. And um, he's, you know, certainly in over his head and everything that he's uh, getting involved in. 
now that I think about it, that 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 perfectly answers one of the questions I was thinking earlier on today. Actually, for the last like two weeks, ever since I saw the movie, there's a scene early on where Hope tells Scott, "Don't worry, we'll be we'll get in, we'll get out. You'll be home by lunchtime." <laughs> I feel like I've seen that like thirty times in a, in movies where people would say. Don't worry. You'll be home by lunchtime. Nothing's going to go wrong. And you're thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? (laughs) Ferris Bueller's Day Off is one of those movies where Ferris calls up Cameron and says, don't worry. We'll be home by the time school ends. We'll get the miles reversed on your dad's car. Everything's set up. And then, nope. (laughs) and it's it's uh it's also just another just straight up fun movie which is you're you're gonna find that uh as as i run through these puzzle pieces i mean that's the thing my biggest takeaway from ant-man and the wasp is this is a movie that's for fun you know what i mean and ferris bueller is such a fun movie so i I think uh that that's got to be some kind of a blueprint when it comes to making a fun movie nowadays and looking back at what's come before it Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what would your next puzzle piece be? Okay, this is going to be, I'm sorry, this is weird, but I have a reason okay. here. Do you remember that Lone Ranger movie with Johnny Depp and Army Hammer? Yes. Did I'm I see sorry. That? I, I remember. I don't remember if I actually saw it, though. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it works out for the best, huh? <laughs> yeah, Um. It. it wasn't nearly as good as... Gore Verbinski and Johnny Depp's last collaboration with Pirates of the Caribbean anything. Um, But the point is, the climax is probably the best train scene you'll ever see in your life. Because Mm. they do everything with the train. If you were to list every single thing you could possibly think to do in a train scene. Yeah. And then walk into that scene, it will do all of it and more. Ant-Man and the Wasp is one of those movies that takes an extremely simple concept of making things bigger and making things smaller and does everything with it. That's so true. That is such a good point because, yeah, I mean, they really do scene after scene after scene. They keep finding new ways to just shrink, go big, shrink, go big, shrink, go big and just doing all different kinds of stuff with it. And it it keeps the thing like just moving and fresh and exciting all throughout because there's so there's so many different options and some of them you would have never even thought of. Um, You know, one one of the one of the best ones was, I think, uh, you know, driving underneath the other car and then getting big to make it fly off the road. Yes. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have thought of that until the trailer for this movie came out. You yeah. know, the, the yeah. whole thing was just brilliant. And like, I don't know. I love the, the type of movie that takes a simple concept and does everything with it. They're sorry to flash back to mission impossible during the scene in mission impossible ghost protocol, where Tom Cruise is on the edge of the burst on the edge of, of the Burj Khalifa. Can you think mm-hmm. of anything else that you can do with that? That they didn't do in the movie. They, it feels like they did everything you can do with that concept of being on the outside of a building. And then Skyscraper had to come along. Yeah, sure. Well, certainly to a lesser extent. Um, Tom Cruise certainly has lived a life, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's like taking that concept and it's just just really doing everything you can imagine with it. And uh God, I, I, it makes you wonder where they're going to go with Hopefully they do another Ant-Man. Um, what, what they're going to do, they're, they got to be like really just making like a little bullet list of things. Like what else can we possibly come up with for this? I saw a video of somebody uh, proposing that Bruce Banner should be in Ant-Man 3. Ooh. Yeah, that would uh, open up a few new possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally hoping that Ant-Man 3 is, sub- is called Siege. Okay. There's a short series in the comics, kind of like Civil War or something like it, they They had this this quick event where the Avengers were all trapped inside Avengers Tower. They were all under siege from a bunch of villains. And Ant-Man and I think the Wasp get small and try to get out of the building and back into the building. It's basically Die Hard done mini. Sure, yeah. Actually sounds a lot like Skyscraper. <laughs> um I yeah, mean, it's getting back in after it got out. Ant Man three. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like a really good uh jumping off point for that. That 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 could open up so many uh possibilities. That that would be pretty damn cool. <laughs> so uh my next puzzle piece, um 
And this one kind of plays off of what you were just saying there. Um, my next one is the Kingsman series. Um, and the reason why I, I went with this one is because of the, um, the action sequences are just so, uh, just precisely beautifully choreographed. And that goes for like a lot of the chase scenes, a lot of that, you know, going small, going big action, going big, going small action. And like, everything is just so like beautifully, uh, energetically, excitingly choreographed, you know? Um, and that's why I, I feel like that's kind of obviously without the, uh, growing and, and shrinking. Um, but that's kind of the kind of fight scenes that we get in a movie like the Kingsman. I like that. It's pretty, uh, th those movies are pretty damn sweet. And, uh, you know, that, that's the thing that really drives those movies is, is the uh, action sequences and just how intricate all those fight scenes are. And just, you know, it's like, it's like a mix of every kind of fighting style and then just done in a way that, like, allows them to play with the camera and just do all kinds of very cinematic stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, think Ant-Man and the Wasp really um, tries to up the ante when it comes to action sequences in one of these movies. What do you mean by up the ante there? Okay, well, it wasn't like an ant people... uh, pun, but... <laughs> a lot of people are saying, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp is just filler in between Infinity War and Captain Marvel. It's just a fun movie. It's just a light flick. And you're saying that it's like almost I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth but like it's almost like it's setting a new standard right and you know and i i don't want to compare it to the others like we were saying at the beginning but at the same time i do think the action sequences in this are fresh and exciting you know um whereas action sequences in a lot of other superhero movies are kind of the same just like punch someone across the room punch someone across the other way in the room uh, you know, fly through the air and smash them into the ground. You know, it's like we kind of see a lot of the same fight scenes, um, whereas this, we get a lot of fresh, unique fight scenes. I like that. I was just telling my girlfriend a little while ago, now, this is not to bag on anybody. I literally can't <laughs> tell the difference between fight scenes because I haven't learned fight choreography. I can't sure. tell the difference between fighting styles. And even if I could, if you gave me two scenes with characters with the same fighting styles between the two scenes, like uh, person A uses the same fighting style in two different movies, and then person C B uses the same fighting style in the same two scenes. Yeah. Honestly, you could just replace the two scenes and be exactly the same movie, exactly the same story, exactly the same everything. And I'm thinking, no, I want, sorry to paraphrase the prestige, a real filmmaker tries to do something new, something that other filmmakers will scratch their heads over. I want something that <laughs> will make me will, – honestly, all I want out of a movie, by the way, I don't mean to say that in a way that sounds like uh, the Bond choreographer is not a real filmmaker or like uh, any other action filmmaker is not a real – no, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just what <laughs> I personally want out of a movie. All I want is to spend most of the movie thinking, how did they think of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, we actually just did our first ever uh, uh, Breaking It Apart uh, episode of Piecing It Together, which is a backwards episode where we look at an older movie and figure out what movies were inspired by it. Interesting. Um, and we, th the first one we did is The Big Lebowski. We ended up talking about the Coen brothers a lot. And the Coen brothers are filmmakers who I absolutely watch. And I'm just like, where the hell did all this come from? You know, what brain <laughs> thought of all these all these connections? You know, what brain thought of these this these pieces of dialogue? You know, um, but yeah, absolutely with action sequences too. It's like, where did they think of that? Like, oh my god, yeah, that that's basically all I want out of a movie. And Ant Man <laughs> and the Wasp was nothing but that, so yeah. I was very satisfied. Oh yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. <laughs> that kind, uh, that kind of leads into my next one, if I may. Sure, absolutely. Pirates of the Caribbean two. Okay. Do you remember how the ending of Ant Man? You could call it three characters in search of a MacGuffin, and mm -hmm. the ending of Pirates of the Caribbean two is essentially the same plot, but it's a very different concept. They do it honestly a whole lot better in Pirates two. Like the okay. ending of Pirates of the Caribbean two is absolutely. 
the wheel of fortune fight the i was gonna say is that the one with the wheel because mm-hmm. I, I kind of mix up two and three sometimes that, that's so... okay the, the one with the wheel of fortune that's what the track okay. is called in the soundtrack and i haven't found a better name for it anyway <laughs> um, but you've got this whole thing in pirates 2 where three characters are all trying to get this are all trying to get the chest and the key in ant-man and the wasp three characters are all trying to get the the lab and the remote and it just switches from scott to ghost to hope to scott to Luis to sunny to hope to joe to it just it's almost like this big game of hot potato sure absolutely and then halfway through <laughs> they introduce oh right we need the remote too yeah, yeah. and i'm thinking oh this is pirates three two pirates two sorry <laughs> Pirates Sue, you got confused too there. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's cool. That's absolutely and I do remember um it's been a long I think the last time I saw that was actually in the theater, so it's been a long time. But um yeah, I remember there was all that back and forth and you're yeah, I totally see that parallel there with uh with just all all the people like going for the same uh the same things, the same uh, uh MacGuffins or whatever uh <laughs> that they need to grab, you know. Um that's a cool one. I like it. I like that. <laughs> That's definitely a cool one. And, and man, I should go back and watch that because that does sound like a lot of fun with you describing it. it and like really I said, I haven't seen is. it in so long. Parts of the Caribbean 2 completely shaped my my taste in movies. Yeah. Almost every movie I watch, all I want is to watch Pirates of the Caribbean 2, but different. <laughs> and most people would hear that and say, but that movie was awful. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who really bag on pirates too but like that that's all i want and so Aww. seeing ant-man and the wasp was just an absolute joy for me yeah Pir- pirates 2 is fun absolutely um i actually really liked the most recent pirates a lot of people did not like it um i thought it was pretty fun i liked uh uh javier bardem as a bad guy i thought he was good that's a bit of a tangent but <laughs> <laughs> so what was your next puzzle piece Yes, my next puzzle piece um, is actually, and uh, I'm going back to the comedy again here with this one. Uh, it's the Harold and Kumar series. Um, and the reason why is uh, because you've got this big, huge cast of just so many, like, just memorable, uh, fun characters that they all have their little moments in the story and they all serve the story in some way and they're not just kind of pigeonholed in there they they all do end up uh having their reason for being as it goes throughout and as it's just a big wide cast of colorful characters basically that is impressive that they managed to make all those characters like actually important i mean Making the Russian guy and the black guy who Luis worked with, making them important. Yeah, they all had yes. their moment to shine, you know, yeah, um, which you wouldn't expect. Barely did that, if at all. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. This was all about just just a whole lot of characters. I mean, Paul Rudd, I, I've always loved Paul Rudd since like way, way back in the day. Um, but it's great to see a whole lot of people sh- like holding their own with them and and really stealing uh, screen time. It, it's really awesome. Yeah, makes me <laughs> Paul really Rudd, want Paul to Rudd see Paul. Makes me really want to see Paul Rudd and Chris Pratt in a movie together. Well, work working together on Avengers uh, Avengers Four. I mean, yeah, they were in oh, Parks yeah. and Rec together, but like, I'm not sure if they did that much together. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if they actually had that much to do together. But, uh, but yeah, those are two very funny people. <laughs> I would definitely love to see uh, share some screen time for sure. <laughs> Seriously. So uh, what's your next puzzle piece? Let's see. Um, okay, this is going to sound really, really stupid. You ready? Okay. The Avengers. Okay. All right. Okay. So here's the actual explanation. I mean, none of the characters in Ant-Man and the Wasp are in the Avengers. Ant-Man and the Wasp has literally nothing to do with the Avengers. It could be its own movie. They could have just put it out. Literally, it has one reference to the Marvel Cinematic Universe outside of Civil War. It keeps referencing Civil War for some reason. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, like I get why it's referencing Civil War. I just don't get why it's doing it that blatantly. It's almost like the the filmmakers expected the audience to not know what happened in Civil War. Anyway, right. sorry. They, they, they need it. They need it. <laughs> yeah. 
No, we all I don't think just so either. watched all the movies again. We all just went on a road to Infinity War. We know what happens in Civil War. Anyway, um, so there's two <laughs> things about the Avengers that I think went really well into Ant-Man and the Wasp. One was a trope called Chekhov's gag, which is basically what this entire movie is. Do you know what Chekhov's hmm. gun is? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so Chekhov's gun is uh, – it's something that bec- it's something that looks insignificant at first and becomes important later on. Okay, all right. I'm trying to think of a really good example off the top of my head, but like nothing's coming to mind. Oh, um, there, there's a good example: Pirates of the Caribbean one. The one of the first things we see is Elizabeth holding this necklace, and then later we find out that necklace is like the most important thing in the movie. But at first we think it's literally just a piece of jewelry that she uses to remind herself of her desire for adventure. It starts out really, really small and it turns out to be super important. That's Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gag is a Chekhov's gun that's initially presented as a joke. Okay. So something comes in as a joke and looks like that's all its narrative purpose it needs to fulfill. Like it's already done its thing and it can move on. And then later it becomes super important. Um, One specific example, the trophy. Yes, absolutely. That's a, a perfect example of that that uh, device. Definitely. And that 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 trope is used all over the place in the movie. It's used to establish the world. It's used to establish the characters. It's used to give comedy. It's used to establish the characters' relationships, and it becomes significant. And it turns into significant plot points every single time. This is one of the most efficient scripts I've ever seen. It's brilliant. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and there, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's like almost like a series of that. Like there, there's like so many like little elements that uh, are jokes, but they end up being big deals. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the Avengers, the way they do it is um, it's stuff like Phil Coulson will tell Cap that he has these Captain America trading cards and it's just used as a joke at first. And then it turns into the thing that gets the Avengers to actually work together for once. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And they keep doing that little bit by little bit in the Avengers and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Just basically they threw a grow disc at Chekhov's gag. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) On the other uh, hand. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say that's a great way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. On the other hand, same idea with with the Avengers. I mentioned that there are two things. I'm sorry. I'm kind of cheating here. Um, Bathos. It's Bathos. It's the idea of um, it's the idea of of doing something silly right after doing something serious. It's used all over the place in MCU movies. Mm hmm. Yeah. Peter Parker is rushing up the Washington Monument trying to save his friends and Karen makes a joke. Mm-hmm. Like the MCU movies are accused of having too much bathos and having a bathos problem. The Avengers doesn't have a bathos problem. The Avengers has a bathos solution. <laughs> they need to get the they need to get the tone down from a war movie with outer space aliens to okay, it's time to go home, everything's over. Sure. And so they sure. do it with one very quick, very simple joke. Ant-Man and the Wasp does that all over the place where the, the movie would be this tour de force of tension that would rival Mission Impossible Fallout, except they don't want that. Right. Because then right. there would be nothing to climax to. They want to build and build and build. And so they, they undercut the tension on purpose using yes. Bathos, where Luis will kind of come out of nowhere and say something funny, or Paul Rudd will come out of nowhere and say something funny. That's not coming out coming out of nowhere, but you get the idea. They'll put something funny right into a tense moment to make it so that the audience knows this is not the climax. We're having a climax later, and we are saving it to be right. (laughs) Well, I think this is like the perfect movie to use that because, I mean, when you've got such a great cast with a lot of funny people in it. Um, you know, Paul Rudd in the lead, of course, Michael Pena. I mean, it's it's definitely a movie where where it's, I think, the smart way to go. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that they did that and didn't try to make it heavier to uh, match with how things have been going in the Marvel Universe. You know? Yeah, we don't need a grim, dark Ant-Man movie. Please, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Ant-Man act like fan four stick. 
Well, you know, that that actually is a really good uh, uh, lead up to my my next puzzle piece, which is kind of a silly one. But um, I, I wanted to I wanted to say it anyway. And speaking speaking of that pathos and all, um, it's <laughs> the love and talent of Michael Pena. <laughs> um, he is has a movie or are you just no, I'm him? I'm congratulating. I, I'm saying that this guy. That character that he plays in these movies is such a beautifully defined, like, cinematic character that doesn't exist anywhere else exactly the way he does it. Um, that you can always find, you know, whenever there's a character in a movie, there's almost always someone, at least somewhat similar out there. I, this is, he owns this role, and it's such a memorable, ridiculous, funny character that isn't just a side character. Like, he serves a purpose in the movie. He's he's a fully defined character. He has his own arc and everything. Um, but he's just so ridiculous and so funny. And um, I think giving him... A, I think a better way to put it would be uh, the inspiration is giving Michael Pena a chance to shine. That That's another way to put it. Almost like the... Almost like Ant-Man 1 was Michael Pena's audition for Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, it's like, I, I don't think I can think of um, that many movies where he's gotten a chance to really break out and be like such a scene stealer, you know, and they really give him his chance in this series. I love that moment when you have a character who has a speech pattern that's so recognizable that you can make up lines that they would say but don't say. You have yeah. no idea <laughs> how many times my girlfriend will make up something that sounds like what Megamind would say. <laughs> but that he doesn't actually say in the movie. Or like we've been watching we've been uh, rewatching the night sorry, watching, not rewatching, the the nineteen sixty five Get Smart TV show. And mm. Max's speech patterns are so recognizable in this movie. It's almost the level of Luis that you're talking about, where you know exactly what he's about to say. Oh, yeah. But at the same time you with know, Luis, you know he's about to go into the monologue. But other than that, you have no idea what's about to come out of this guy's mouth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Really quick. Um, I did not have this written down. I just want to insert a quick extra puzzle piece. Go for um, it. Get smart. Um, the old TV show Mick, or the 2008 yeah, one? Uh, the old TV show. Um, okay. Yeah, mixing such great humor with, with tech-based, uh, you know, that's more spy stuff. But, I mean, action, you know. Um, I, get smart. Uh, it's so it's such a such a great classic show. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, all, all, the, all the tech and all the, like, the little sci-fi tools that they have at their disposal um, while still being funny – uh heroes i can kind of see it yeah I, I i hadn't thought of that before but just you bringing up get smart uh totally i i, I feel like that would be a good one <laughs> so wait does that mean it's your turn or my turn no we're back to you i'm just i i, I just threw oh, in yeah, a little you extra were just right talking there about the uh love and talent of michael pina which honestly yes. that should be a movie I can yes. see that being a movie. <laughs> That's his uh, autobiography because he has to tell that one. He's got to read the audiobook. <laughs> I want this movie. Mostly I just want any movie that's narrated by Luis and yes, done in that absolutely. cinematography style because that's – I feel like Edgar Wright inspired a lot of Luis's cinematography style. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That Marvel said, OK, we don't like your script. We don't like your plot, but we like that. Can we yes, keep that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know that they kept some uh, some Edgar Wright stuff in there. I mean, I still think the uh the cure was a big uh, Edgar Wright thing um in the first Ant-Man and now they they played that out with uh with with Morrissey this time around. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I think that probably was part of his uh contribution to the story. So um my next one Monsters Inc. Okay. And you're probably thinking, where is this guy coming from? What on earth is – who is this person? Why did I let him on my show? Um, <laughs> well, well, little uh, uh, confession here. I've never seen Monsters, Inc. I've always wanted to. And it just somehow slipped by me and I never got to see it. Well, I'm not going to say you have to see it because uh -huh. let's be honest. You're going to see it anyway. You really want to see it. So just yeah. – I'm not going to tell you to see it. You're going to see it anyway and you're going to love it. get to it. Get it's to a it, genuinely Dave. Genuinely good film. Yeah, I know. 
it's I, not, I've heard. Yeah. Um, one of the things that makes Monsters, Inc. such a good movie is that it does almost perfectly Pixar's fourth rule of storytelling. Pixar published a list of their 22 rules of storytelling. Number mm-hmm. four is, in essence, I'm, I'm completely changing almost all the words, but the principle behind the rule is never have a, never connect two plot points with the words and then. Connect them okay. with the words but or therefore. That's the way that uh, South Park's co-creator Trey Parker put it, and Pixar follows exactly the same rule, especially in Monsters, Inc. Um, hmm. as, a, as an example, um, in Captain America Civil War, there's this moment where they find out, oh, it is the psychiatrist. It, it actually was a psychiatrist's fault. He's been playing us this whole time. And that just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's almost like the the pitch goes, and they have this awesome fight in the airport. Great. And then what happens? And they keep fighting in the airport. <laughs> and then what? And then they keep fighting in the airport. And then, oh, right. And then Tony finds out that Cap was right. It's not because of their fight Tony finds out Cap was right. It's and then Tony finds out. Right, right, right. Ant-Man and the Wasp <laughs> is exactly the opposite. Ant-Man and the Wasp is essentially these three characters trying to go on a really, really simple quest. We're going to get yeah. Scott from point A to point B, plug him into this machine, and send him home. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, oh, actually, we need this one part. Okay, so they get the part. And at the end of getting the part, they realize, oh, we actually need this other thing. And so they go get the other thing. The entire movie is a series of mini quests. And at the end of each quest, they find out we actually do need to do one more thing until finally they have everything ready. And then absolute chaos breaks out. But the point is each (laughs) scene directly leads to the next scene. If you take out any scene in the movie, the next scene won't make any sense. Because each sure. scene directly leads into it, and each scene causes the next scene. It's wonderful. It's wonderfully done storytelling. That's beautiful. Yeah, that that is really great storytelling. That 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 truly is. And yeah, because you're you're uh, straight, especially in a an action movie, you know, or especially a superhero movie, you know, for there to be that attention to detail and attention to storytelling and not just trying to throw the biggest, bestest, uh, you know, blockbuster scenes in it. Um, that That's a really cool thing uh, to be able to say about this movie. It feels almost like. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to treat this as another puzzle piece. I wrote it down and then nixed it. It feels almost like the director of Paddington and the director of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I say Ghost Protocol because his filmography of movies fits here. He's made The Incredibles. He's made Ratatouille. He made The Iron Giant. Sure. Anyway, I feel like those two got together and said, let's make a superhero movie. And then 10 years later, after really thinking this through, really working it out, after getting it really, really ready to put out, then they put it out. And everybody says, (laughs) eh, it's just filler. I'm like, guys, no, this is a great movie. It drives me a little crazy, right? I I, I have the same reaction when people – when people – you know, bag on this movie online. I'm just like, what is wrong with you people, man? Uh, don't you like fun? Don't you like good storytelling? Don't you like humor? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad that said that Mission Impossible Fallout came out this year, like two weeks after Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Because everybody who thought Ant-Man and the Wasp was filler would go see Fallout and love it. And I'm very glad they get to love it. Yeah. And they won't think that's yeah. filler. <laughs> I I did love Fallout. It was so good. <laughs> um, so I I have one more puzzle piece, and uh, I know uh, we kind of got to wrap it up here pretty quick. So uh, I'm gonna make it a quick one. Um, and that is, and it's actually kind of a cheat because I've heard the director say this specifically in Whoa. interviews. Um, but that is Midnight Run. Um. And I think that, you know, that mix of action and comedy and, you know, evading authorities that are from all different sides. And there's a whole lot of different uh, teams in play. You know, uh, I, I think it absolutely makes sense. So when I heard it, I was like, you know, that that's such a an obvious but great puzzle piece. Huh. Well, I'm glad that we found a puzzle piece that was like something the director confirmed. 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a golden puzzle piece. Yeah, I usually try not to use the ones that I, I just happened to hear in an interview, but I was like, that 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 is definitely pretty apt. I, I should probably mention it. You were going to use that whether whether Peyton Reed said that or not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, do you have uh, any other puzzle pieces? Um, kind of. So, you remember when? You remember? Well, during the skyscraper episode, and I think during the Quiet Place episode, the co-host would bring up an entire genre. When I was mm-hmm. watching this movie, I felt like I was watching a random '90s kids movie. Okay, just done a little better and a little bit more adultish. I completely can see that. 100% I don't know why. It just feels like a movie that would have come out in the 90s and targeted toward kids. And then like 20 years later, would be looking back and saying, that's not a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Well, I, th- I think the reason why is because um, despite it being a superhero movie, despite it being action, uh, it feels like a straight up adventure in a lot of ways. And I think that's, that's what ties it in with the nineties. Like nineties kids movies were, were a lot of times they were adventures, you know, um, which are a little different from your, your typical nowadays action blockbusters. It's not about shooting. It's about swinging from ropes and it's, yeah. it's the Goonies instead of mission, it, not mission impossible. It's uh it's the Goonies as opposed to John wick. Sure. That's Absolutely. a terrible way to put it. I'm sorry. <laughs> The Goonies and John Wick in one sentence. I think you might be the first person to utter those words. That's uh, there should be that more was pretty people good. Do that. Those are pretty good <laughs> movies. <laughs> no, that, that's that's a great one though. Nineties kids movies. Um, so you know we uh, we talked about it throughout the episode. Uh, I think I think we'll wrap it up with those uh, because I know we're short on time a little bit. Um, so that that would bring our finished puzzle uh, list to the Mission Impossible series. Uh, Lone Ranger, um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pirates of the Caribbean 2, uh, Midnight Run, the Harold and Kumar series, uh, the Kingsman series, the love of Michael Pena, um, (laughs) uh, Monsters, Inc., the Avengers, 90s kids movies, and I squeezed in there, Get Smart. Um, I I think it's a great finished puzzle list for a great movie. We've kind of... uh, you know, put our love on this movie throughout this entire episode. Any closing thoughts on it before we wrap it up? I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is one of the best movies to come out in the last decade. And it is definitely one of my top three favorite movies that I've ever seen. Awesome. I know that that's is so really, awesome. I'm, I know I'm glad I have really you on British. this episode. <laughs> I, I'm glad I have you on this episode. I, uh, I, I'm going to have to let it sit to go with that, that second statement, but definitely of the last 10 years, it's one of my favorite. And it's, uh, it's certainly one of, it's certainly like top three superhero movies for me. Um, that's for sure. That was a fun movie. So much fun. I need fun. to go see that again. <laughs> I, I did actually see it twice. I'm really um, disappointed that it flopped. I know it really, well, you know, it didn't flop. It's just the narrative nowadays is if it doesn't make more than every single other Marvel movie, it's a flop. Um, yeah, it's not going to make more than Avengers Infinity War, but I was hoping it would make more than Thor Ragnarok, not because sure, anything against sure. Thor Ragnarok. I just think it deserves to, I want to tell Hollywood, please make more like that. So I want to go see it like 15 more times, but I can't avoid well, you know, that. You know, Mission Impossible Fallout's being called a flop too, even though it was the biggest Mission Impossible opening weekend and it's doing huge box office numbers. It's the second biggest uh, of Tom Cruise's career, but it's still a flop because that's just the the climate we're in now. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Hunter, I want to make sure you get a chance to uh, put in any plugs you got. Alrighty, um, I have a podcast and YouTube series. It's called Song Appeal. The YouTube series is launching the first week of September, and you can find me also on Twitter at Song Appeal. If you want to hear more about movies and not about music, Song Appeal is a is a podcast and YouTube series about music psychology and the science behind why we like the music we like. If you want to hear more about movies, on the other hand, you can find me on Twitter at Story at the Core. I'll be putting out a video essay series probably next year. 
Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to that because I love your, uh, love your music podcast. I bet that'll be awesome. Thanks. So, uh, Hunter, thanks again for being here. Um, I'm really glad I got to get you on this episode, and you share my Ant-Man and the Wasp enthusiasm. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Dave. I'm Mike. I'm Johnny. I'm Kev. And together we present There Will Be Geek, a compendium and magazine of all the nonsense you can possibly eat about pop culture. There's like a bomb duck to a toilet, and on the toilet paper it says, boom, you're dead. How do you not like that? Two podcasts a month. Just going back to the rib removal to blow yourself thing, what it always concerns celebrities who would in no way ever need to give themselves a blowjob. If Clint Howard removed a rib to blow himself, I can understand that, because who the f*** would? So come along. You can find us on iTunes, Lipsin, SoundCloud, Facebook, www.therewillbegeek.com. Have a listen. Right, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Piecing It Together. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is such a fun movie. It really is one of my favorite movies this year. Um, and I want to thank my guest, Hunter Ferris, for coming on to talk about it with me. Um, this movie, I might not have gotten a chance to do an episode on it, and I really wanted to, but then I saw Hunter was basically just wanting to talk on a podcast about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it, man. So I... Uh, I think this came out as a great episode. And those of you listening, if you ever want to uh, make your voice heard on this podcast, let me know. You don't have to be a full you know, guest co-host if you don't want. If you just want to maybe let us know if we missed a uh, particular puzzle piece or if you uh, have any uh, extra information to add that you think would add to the conversation, let me know. We'll add it in as a little uh, – you know, bonus add-on to the next episode. So definitely get in touch. You can uh, get in touch on social media at PiecingPod. You can email me directly by David Rosen at gmail.com. And uh, I, I definitely want to know how you're enjoying the show as well. So definitely get in touch. You could also rate and review us on uh, iTunes. Five stars is always nice. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show, of course. Piecing It Together is available on all major podcast apps. And uh, join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group, and give us some uh, ideas on a new name for it because, I don't know, I think it would be fun to have a, a specific name, probably something puzzle-related, but something, of course, movie-related, maybe some entertainment more so, so that way we can, you know, chat about TV and music and video games and everything else. I, I do eventually want to... Uh, branch the show out a little bit to talk about some of those things as well um it doesn't always have to be just movies but movies will always be the main focus um but you know things within the the realm of entertainment are always something i'd like to talk about so i don't see why we can't bring it onto the show right we can do anything we want um so with that we'll close up today's episode um, I want to remind you that my newest album, A Different Kind of Dream, is available now on iTunes and uh, pretty much everywhere else you can get music. Add it to your playlist on Spotify if that's how you like to do it. Um, and also my new virtual reality music video, Palindrone 360, is available now on YouTube, Veer, Vimeo, Samsung VR, and Little Star. And actually, the people over at Veer made it the... Uh, video of the week or whatever and racked up a ton of plays after that and uh, I don't know I, I've been checking out the YouTube plays it's starting to really grow over there too so I, I think hopefully a lot of people are going to see this video because it is trippy and weird and cool um, I, I really want a lot of people to see it I'm hoping to do some events soon where I can like demo it for people who don't already have virtual reality headsets but uh, if you do have one make sure to go check it out it's called Palindrome 360 it was created by New Line Videography there's a little plug for them and uh, yeah definitely check it out as for today's musical outro I don't know what are we going to play let's play Negative from the album Head Like Fire Enjoy it, and we'll be back again soon with another episode of Piecing It Together.
and All Points West.